Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Today's topic is winning strategic accounts with Michael Nemi. Welcome, Mike. Joe, my man. What's up? Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Guys, if you uh, don't already follow Michael Nemi on LinkedIn, you need to do so. The way I met Mike is he always was posting these very insightful things about winning big accounts, winning enterprise accounts. And I was very impressed. I talked to a lot of people about this topic, and it's something near and dear to me because I think everybody in the logistics business wants to, if you're selling transactional, most people want to get into more of the strategic accounts, enterprise accounts, contract accounts, whatever you want to call them. And Michael was posting his philosophy on it, and it was pretty slick. So Mike's going to share that with us today. Anyway, before we do that, Mike, introduce yourself and your company. So yeah, as Joe said, Michael Nimi, I work for Global Trans. In short, Global Trans is obviously a full suite 3PL, offers multiple different services, but I focus on our managed transportation side of things or strategic sales or enterprise, you can call where you want it, but it's basically an all-in approach. So I'm not just looking at saving people a couple bucks on freight rates. I'm trying to build out a strategic plan and a strategy for that business long-term. Yep. Mike, when I used to sell transportation logistics, I used to say to people, I'm not interested in saving you $50 on your next load. I'm interested in helping you save 10% off of your annual spend. It's a whole different mindset. And I really think that when you're focused on that, let me be the lowest price so I can win this load today. You might win it today and lose it tomorrow. (laughs) Those are the kind of accounts I want. I mean, it's funny you said uh, all in save you money. I might even be cost neutral on your transportation, but I'm bringing the solutions we brought to the table. We're able to increase your gross margins by 10%. So that's a lot more, I think, beneficial than saving a couple bucks on some freight. Yep. For a few years, I was able to work with a very large shipper, like 70 million plus a year. And the vice president of logistics came in. It was new to the job. And he said, you know, I know, Joe, you were brought in originally just to save us money and help us save money, pick us the right third-party logistics company. But he said, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in us being world-class. Now, we have a budget, of course. Everyone has a budget. You want to save money. But if you're saving money and losing business because no one likes your logistics service, you're screwed. So <laughs> anyway, Michael, where do you live? I live in Seattle. Ah, okay. So you work at Global Trans, you're in Seattle. So tell us a little bit of where'd you grow up? Oh, you're a Michigander, which is, or Michiganian. I don't know what we're calling ourselves these days. <laughs> I think it's Michigander, but yeah, let's just stick with that. There was a big debate a few years back, Michigander or Michiganian. I prefer the gander. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about where you grew up, where you went to school and how you ended up at Global Trans. So yeah, I could get long-winded on this, but I grew up in Michigan. Anchor Bay is where I grew up. It's I don't even know if you know where that's at, but it's it's far east. So I grew up there, went to college at Central Michigan. That, that's on the water, right? Correct. That's nice. Oh yeah, it was beautiful. It was funny. I grew up there until I was about, what was it, 17. So junior year, I'm, my parent or my mom moved me downriver because a couple of her uh, physical therapy practices. We're down there and she just got sick of driving. So it was like a culture shock 
I think me and you were talking about this. <laughs> right, day, right. You live down by I, me. I, I come from living on a main highway and on the water to living in a subdivision. And I was like, I need to get a bike or something. Like it was, it was definitely different, but <laughs> ended up going to central Michigan, fire up chips. Go chips. <laughs> yeah, right. And then started my career in Michigan in a company called Worldwide Express. Kind of, you know, really, really built my career at Worldwide Express for four years and then jumped around a little bit, just trying to see what else is out there and ended up in Seattle and now, you know, working for Global Trans. Nice, nice. So how did you make this kind of the transition from being the usual guy who's making, you're still a young man. I'm assuming you started off somewhere where they said, yeah, you make a hundred phone calls a day and get us a whole bunch of loads and and you'll be happy for the rest of your life. How did you end up kind of moving out of that, what I'll call the transactional freight into the more strategic. So it's a funny story is I've never sold transactional freight. So that's where I, I give a lot of credit. A Worldwide Express, great company. I still, you know, have friends there, some people that are still mentors to me. They were really good at sales training and they were able to right as soon as we got into started our career, any new, you know, sales rep, they explained the benefits that a 3PL can bring a company and I'm not saying this is even enterprise, right? Even the companies that were $50,000 a year, why it makes sense to utilize one 3PL from multiple levels. And they also stress, again, that meet with executive leadership because at the end of the day, that is who is making the call and is affected when things are impacting the bottom line. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I've never sold transactional freight. I don't. I came from automotive. I spent most of my career in automotive. And in automotive, there's really nothing transactional. And then when I went to this little third-party logistics company, they had a great technology. And their whole thing was, we don't want a little bit of your business. We don't want, as we were talking offline, we were saying, I don't want to date. I don't want to be engaged. I want to get married. (laughs) I want you to, I want all your freight. I want you to share every little problem you have that I can help solve. I want to be attached to the hip and extension of your supply chain group. Yeah, I love that. And I, maybe I was, I, I say spoiled because it was still interesting because how do I put this? Walking into these companies, and I won't say any names, but I was going against some competitors that had the same capabilities I had, but were just over the phone. I was going door to door or business to business. We had it, we say TMS, but just an actual platform that's just like cloud based, right? And these companies that I was competing against still had the cloud based platforms just like Worldwide Express, yet they weren't ever explaining that to that person. They were cool with a couple here and there. So I was like, there's a huge gap right here. And then it just, I took that mindset and it just kind of led into larger deals. Yep. My feeling has always been the same. And I remember saying this to customers and I've said this to shippers that I advise. If you're using multiple 3PLs, multiple carriers, you can use multiple carriers, but if you're using multiple 3PLs, the problem you have is what do you integrate to, right? And I don't like the idea. I had this happen with one of my customers one time when I was still managing freight. They said, Oh, by the way, last month we did like three moves with this other company. And I was like, what, why? Oh, because we needed this or that. We didn't think you guys could do that. I was like, of course we can do that. And and then every time I was doing my metrics, they're like, yeah, could you incorporate that into your metrics? And I'm like, it's not in my system. Of course, I wanted to bring it into the metrics. I wanted to manage their freight. But it was just such crap because... Yeah, but they're probably cheaper. I said, I would have undercut them. You're my customer. I don't just hate the idea that you did business with someone else. Yeah. I want to go back to the point where it was something about tech. Uh, you said it was a piece on like technology and using other carriers and stuff like that. I think that, listen, I'm not naive to the fact that 
biggest objection, right, is I don't want to throw all my eggs at one basket. With a 3PL, you're really getting the best of both worlds, right? And I know that sounds corny, but think about it. You're getting to maximize your buying power. You're getting to maximize the 3PL's buying power and partnerships. And you're still getting a diverse profile of carriers all under one roof. Right. What I would say to purchasing guys is I said, my job, I'm in carrier purchasing. I said, we'll manage your carrier and we know how. They're our partners. That's how we, it's a whole different vibe when you say, yeah, I get the lowest price every day. I always say, yeah, you get the lowest price every day, but when one of these carriers screws up, do they give something away for free like I do? <laughs> I'll never charge you for a, a late LTL if it's a problem, if I caused it. And it's so, just time consuming. Yeah. So at the end of the day, and it goes back to, I don't even care about a freight. Like, I honestly, like, even when I go through and, you know, have my engineer team and look through the data, I, we were talking about this earlier, but it's like, it's a given. I assume I'm going to be able to save you money, hopefully, on your freight, right? And nine times out of 10, I do. But it's more or less like there's a lot more things that you can do when it comes to the entire supply chain piece that is actually going to make a significant difference, not only in just driving down costs, but increasing gross margins. And let's face it, we don't make money off revenue. We make money off margin, right? So that's that's my big focus. Right, right. So today's topic, again, Mike, is winning strategic accounts with Michael Nemi. And Mike, when we were prepping for this, we talked about some things that is different about winning strategic accounts as opposed to winning transactional accounts. And we listed five, so we'll talk about those. I'm sure as we're talking, a few more will pop up. But I'll bring some of these things up, and I want to get your two cents on them. So the first thing is when you're going after these bigger accounts, these strategic accounts, the sales cycle's longer. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, yeah, it, it's definitely, I mean, everything's situational, but it's definitely longer. I mean, an account that does $50,000 a year versus an account that does a million dollars a year, it's, <laughs> you're not just going to be like, yeah, we're signing, yeah. There's a lot of things that go into it, but I think a, more importantly, the front end stuff first, figuring out if there's actual value to bring inside. And I'm not saying like, that's not even convincing them that this is what we're doing. It's just figuring out different pieces, different departments of each company to really build out a case to say, hey, this is causing you money. This is costing you money. Do you find enough value in that to even take a meeting with me? Because when these larger accounts are going, when you're going to tack these larger accounts, you're dealing with multiple different departments. And I know that I preach about it a lot. Once you get that information, nine times out of 10, you have to get executive leadership in the front end of this process, or it usually doesn't go anywhere. Right. So I think you just, you hit on the second point, which is, who you're targeting in the conversation. You can't call the guy at the lowest level and say, I would like all your freight. I mean, it's probably not his decision. And they know that. And nothing wrong with that, right? I think a lot of people are afraid. They're like, you're going you're gonna to make that person you know, mad. No, I'm, that's the way life is. I'm, I mean, I know that sounds like mean, but it's like, I have a boss. You have, I mean, you don't have a boss. But <laughs> My boss is an ass. You don't want to know him. <laughs> <laughs> But the sales process is definitely definitely longer. I mean, again, it is all situational, but it is longer. So I've always liked the idea that when you're in this strategic accounts, you're going after executive leadership, as you mentioned. And you might talk to the guy on the dock and he might say, hey, Mike, that's not, not up to me. You got to talk to so-and-so. And what I've always liked is when somebody said this to me many years ago, if I was talking to you and I know you're not the only decision maker or you're not the decision maker, I'd say, Mike, who besides you decides who you ship with. <laughs> and and that's recognizing that the guy at the very top of the house is probably going down and talking to the guy on the dock and saying, hey, what do you know about these guys? What do you think about making a change? Right. So I like the idea of selling from the top to the bottom because 
The guys who manage it day to day, guys who are moving freight every day, they have a big say. <laughs> they're trusted. That's why they're there. Exactly. And here's the thing is like, and you said it, I'm never selling to those, to anybody. Like I'm calling, you know, accounting, sales, purchasing. This is just legwork before I even call into that executive leadership, but I'm never selling them. I'm just figuring out their processes. Right. And it's, to me, it's, it's honestly, it's refreshing. I feel like on their end when it's like, when I call a transportation manager and say, Hey, listen, I'm sure you get blown up by a million people like me. I don't want to be on a carrier list. I'm not even asking to do business. I'm just curious on a few different things on your process. And then once I build that up, we're good. Right. So you touched on the sales cycles longer. I totally agree. And your company has to kind of be on board with that. Whoever you're working with, they have to say, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, you're not going to go after accounts that you're going to win something today. Right. I, let me hit on this. So I am actually an agent of Global Trans. So I basically can do my own thing. But if you're working somewhere else, they might say, wait, you've been here a month. Where's the freight? And you go, hey, there's no freight coming for me in the first month because I'm going after strategic accounts. And that's the thing is everybody wants to sell, not even just enterprise, but everybody wants to even sell strategic accounts. And honestly, nobody really knows how. Nobody knows the process. We're teaching them. I mean, <laughs> yeah. For the bosses out there that are beating up their uh, sales reps and you can't bring a, let's face it, transactional stuff is never going to go away, right? I got buddies that do it, make a ton of money on it. And if that's your niche, that's great. But you can't expect someone that is focused on strategic accounts to be able to switch their mind again, typical brokerage type. There will always be transactional account, I agree. But more and more of that spot stuff is going to the people who you already have strategic or contract rates with. So I think we've, we hit on a few of these ideas. The number one is the sales cycle's longer. You have to plan for that. Obviously, your boss, the executive leadership, the company has to have the philosophy that, yeah, we brought Michael on and he's going to take longer because he's going after the different kind of business and there's a longer sales cycle to it. You started to hit on another thing here, Mike, and talk about understanding the customer requirements, what they're looking for. You just were talking about picking the brains of accounting and all the different groups to understand what they do and how they do it. I mean, again, I, you know me, I could be long-winded, so I'll try to keep this as concise as possible. I get, I go on my rants, but I think we talked about it. Let's take a step back. I talked about it before. It's like, I can't tell you how many miles per gallon a 53-footer gets. I have operational gurus, right? My focus was on the business and economic standpoint, right? What are some things in the supply chain that's going to financially impact this company from whatever department? So, for instance, let's just say, for example, I'll call the controller. Hey, how are you guys currently allocating your transportation costs into your pricing model? Well, we're just doing a flat 10%. Oh, okay. I'm curious. Do you have like a cost to serve knowing which customers, which products, which locations are profitable, or you just kind of wing it? Right. You see where I'm going with that? It's more or less like now we're having a business conversation. Because no executive, I said no executive wants to talk about, hey, this is the FAK you have. No, they want to know it's like, hey, listen, let's get you a cost to serve analysis. So you're properly allocating your transportation costs into your pricing model to increase profitability. Right. So you're taking a business view of this. So again, sales cycle is going to be longer. You're going to be spending more time understanding customers because it's no, when you're selling transactional in a lot of ways, when you ask the guy, Hey, what are you looking for? He says, I'm looking for a great price. I'm looking for a great service. That's it, right? When you're selling what you're selling strategic, it's a lot more involved. And so let me ask you this, Mike, do you try and focus in on any one vertical like retail or manufacturing because you know that better? I'm very focused. So. 
I want to take over the emerging growth stage brands in CPG. I think that they, uh, and these are still, some of these accounts are still large, right? Million, two million, three million dollars. But I think that that's really where I'm focused on. My core customers now are in the CPG food and beverage industry. And, and when you say CPG, you mean? Consumer packaged goods. Good. So give us a few examples of not necessarily your customers, but what is a CPG brand? A health brownie, like a protein brownie. Yeah, Palmolive's one, you know, Procter yeah. & Gamble, that kind of thing. Correct. These companies that are going into... You're emerging. <laughs> yeah. Going into like big box retailers because there's a lot of, I mean, I could spend hours on that, but there's a lot of different things that can go wrong when you're going into big box retailers. So I guess my point is you focused your energies and the reason you focus your energies is because you say, when I talk to the next one, the next emerging CPG going into a big box, you understand they probably have this problem, this problem, and this problem. And it makes you that much more effective in that conversation. Correct. That's definitely my niche, but I'll trickle around because I mean, I've sold every industry you think of, but yeah, I'm, if I had this whole entire year, I just literally, that's all I focus on. People would be very well served to copy you because it's not necessarily into CPG, but into focusing on one vertical because they understand it really well. And I always think it's so much more powerful if I was to say, Hey, I work with Target, Costco, and Walmart, and I really would like an opportunity to talk to you about your business. And they go, oh, I want to work with them. I want to work with this guy because he's working with retailers that very much like me. They need references, right? I mean, not always, but usually you'll get it. Helps. <laughs> it helps. Okay. Yeah, if you're the one that says, oh, I have no references. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, when you have such a laser-focused Target customer you're searching for, it's a little bit harder, but it makes you a master at that vertical. That wasn't me saying, I, I hate what I, I don't want you to think that I said I was a master, but you, you get where I'm going. Right. I've done a number of podcasts where this comes up, where we talk about the idea of specialization into a niche. And it doesn't mean it's the only thing you do. It just means that's not a bad way to go. Because again, you know that much more, you can be that much more useful to your customer and a better salesperson. So we talked about the sales cycles longer. You got to have a company or a manager that says this is going to take a little longer. I totally agree with that. You really have to understand your customer. That means more than just one guy who's, who's making the decision on today's freight. You need to know the most likely executive man. Every group, accounting, customer service, sales, what the ops guys want, what logistics wants, what the whole enterprise wants. Can I give a why to why? I, yes, please. It does sound kind of like, oh, look at me. Like At least I think when I'm like, oh, yeah, I need executive leadership. But they are running the company, right? And then two, it's just I'm mindful of everyone's time, right? So if I was to work my way from the bottom up, maybe that logistics person, because I'm going to need to talk to accounting eventually. I'm going to need to talk to IT. Maybe that logistics person is bought in, right? Wants to do this, but he can't tell accounting, hey, you need to meet with Michael. He can ask, but he can't, or she can ask, but they can't tell that person, right? They can ask the executive, have a 15, 20 minute discovery call. There's enough value there. He wants to see this thing through and see what you can provide. He, hell, if, <laughs> if someone, if my VP or president emailed me and said, hey, you need to meet with this person, figure out your schedule, they're going to be contacting you. What am I going to say? No. Right. No, when you say strategic, that means that it's not being decided at the bottom of the company. The executive's in charge of strategic. I mean, that's, I've worked a lot of places. I was comfortable when they say, Hey, we need to talk something strategic. You know, it's about my pay grade. Talk to the boss, right? It's not my job to talk about strategic stuff. I read so, an article on it. Uh, it was UPS put it out. It's a, it was an old article, but it talked about why things never really happen is because nobody from the top 
it was a CFO article. I'll send it to you after this, but it talked about, you know, the biggest problem is they're not involved in the front end of this entire supply chain process, building up a strategy. And then it just gets lost in limbo and it goes back to the same old processes. Right, right. I love it. So the next area I'd like to talk about is technology. If you would talk to uh, what's different about the technology when you're going after a more strategic account. Again, I mean, I've gone into accounts where they don't even have an ERP, so it's pretty simple, but I've been into accounts that... You know, they have an ERP, they might have a TMS, but maybe it's not integrated. They're looking for maybe another TMS. And again, no tech guru. I got those guys for me. But in general, it's a longer process if you have to like integrate, especially if you have to integrate into an ERP so all those systems are talking to each other. That's just, I mean, it's not a matter of, I'll just say this, it's not a matter of if, but when you're going to need that technology. Because if you're going to scale your company, you're going to need an ERP. Right. And so when you're talking about strategic accounts, almost every single one's going to talk about some sort of technology. What are we going to use? Do you have a portal? Are we going to connect your TMS or our WMS to the ERP? That never comes up when you're selling transactional or very seldom. <laughs> so, I mean, I have, again, I don't know the transactional, but I've heard of like people getting on these, like, I don't even know how to say it. I was like spot rates or whatever they get into, but it's like, hey, we just loaded you into our TMS. So, right. Right. So, Mike, we've touched on a few things. First off, this we got this longer sales cycle. I've got to get the company on board. So, if I'm selling, so let's say I brought you on board, I recognize that I might need to have a dedicated account management team behind you because you're not managing accounts. I might need to have customer service people behind you, maybe a carrier person. It's not cradle to grave because we're not doing transactional. So, it's a little different setup. The company has to be set up. So, I've seen this happen in the past where somebody brings on a guy like you who thinks he's going after strategic accounts, but the company's more transactional and they struggle because they go, hey, Michael did... We said strategic, but we were also hoping he'd win us a whole bunch of transactional business every single day. <laughs> I'll be honest, so, with you, I've been on calls with people that like, and I'm doing enterprise and maybe a manager came on a call and it was just like, we are talking with, this just sticks out, the VP of operations. And I remember one of these, no names, but one was just like, so you said you got some truckload. Can we start moving some truckload? And this, the VP of ops goes, absolutely not. We're talking about an outsourced solution. I don't want to talk about moving a truckload. And I was like, what? I ran into that. I used to say when I was selling to someone, I knew what the sale went wrong when they say, well, we'll send you over today's lanes. And I say, I don't. <laughs> don't bother. I'm not quoting your Excel spreadsheet list. Yeah, that, that doesn't make any sense if you're looking for strategic business. It's just, yeah, and I want whoever's listening to this, I want people to know that... It's, it's probably just me and you. Probably. <laughs> I don't know if my mom has LinkedIn, but I'm going to make her get it so she can listen to it. But no, hitting aside... My mom listens. <laughs> I think that if there's someone out there that is trying to get out of the transactional like piece and your company, let's just say your company does LTL or whatever it may be, you can still, I wasn't selling million dollar deals when I was, again, when I was just starting, but I was still getting everything they had, right? I was focused on, heck, if they had $1,000 a week in, in freight and I could bring some value to the table, I want it all. Why not, right? So I think start small, still provide those companies with some value, consolidate their invoices, little tweaks. Yeah, it's all or nothing with Mike Neemley. So, Mike, you've kind of said these things throughout, but I want you to talk a little bit about the mindset that you bring to this. Because I do believe that not only having the background with Worldwide, which just sounds like it was pivotal for you, but also this idea that you have a mindset that I'm not going after the crumbs here. I want 
not that transactional crumbs by any stretch. A lot of people do very well, but you had this idea and I'll, I'll call it, maybe it's a little confidence or swagger that I'm going to make as a young person. I'm going to make these calls and I'm going to talk to senior management. Yeah. I mean, and again, I, I talk about worldwide. It was, you know, you start your career and when the CEO of worldwide, Tom started from the ground up and he's still interacting, like I just never thought in my head, like I never was nervous. I mean, I shouldn't say nervous, but I just was like, they're just people. Right. And this is what I need to do. And then my mindset just turned into, I want to think about, again, you say confidence. I mean, you have to be confident in what you're selling, right? And I'm a hundred percent believer in a 3PL. Like, I don't know if I was talking to you about this, but I said, I wish I didn't work for a 3PL for what a week. So I could, so I didn't sound biased because <laughs> right. it's like, right. I mean, realistically that mindset of they're going to make the call. It's going to expedite the process. That's what I'm going to focus on. And I get a lot. It's not even about, I say I get a lot more no's, but realistically, nobody's really calling those executives. They pick up more than, than the shipping manager does because he's getting blown up by nine, 10 times a day. Right, right. Mike, when, um, as an educator, I can say this is when you're educating somebody on a topic, it's always three things there's attitude, skills, and knowledge. And for the most part, we all have the skills to pick up the phone and make phone calls, talk to people, write emails, do all the stuff that you do, right? And then there's knowledge. We've all learned this business on the job, right? You know, when, when for the most part, you can't learn this at school. But the biggest thing is the attitude. If you have the right attitude and the idea that I'm going to acquire the skills and the knowledge I need, you can do this. What you were got through worldwide and maybe just through your own mindset, others can get that. You can acquire that mindset. Yeah, I say it all the time when you say, you know, knowledge. I'm the furthest thing from the smartest person out there. The confidence is really what I have the resources, right? And I'll sit there and say it in a meeting. I'm not going to be the smartest guy you've ever sat down with, but I'll bring the smartest people that you have. I have those resources. It's getting the meeting. There's a million people out there that know a ton of stuff, but they don't have the confidence to get the meeting, you can, you can know a ton of stuff, but if you can't ever pitch it, it's kind of useless. Yeah. I used to work at a big company, an auto company, one of the vice presidents that we all loved. He's one of my heroes. He, he would say every once in a while, keep me, he had like 10,000 of us working for him. He says, I don't have all the answers, but I have people who have all the answers. <laughs> and that goes a long, dude, you don't know how many times that. There's a lot of things I go into play. I think for me is, you know, I'm a younger person and I think a lot of it, you know, but don't get me wrong. I know my thing. I know the industry. I know what I'm bringing to the table, but there's also that part. It's like, damn, did this, I'm 32 now, but it's like, still, you, you call a CEO who's probably been in your shoes and you, they're just like, again, it's like, damn, this guy really had the guts to just call my cell phone or FaceTime me on my cell phone. Right, right. So Mike, I'm going to summarize this a little bit and then I want you to give us kind of parting shots and then I want you to tell us a little bit about what you're doing at Global Trends. So again, the topic is winning strategic accounts and there's things that are different when you're going to win strategic accounts. Sales cycles longer, your company, the management of that company is going to have to agree that you aren't going to be able to do this overnight. Might take three, six months, three to six, even longer to get some of those accounts. And then you really need the company to be organized the proper way. So if you can't be kind of cradle to grave, if you're winning accounts that are strategic, you're going to need resources. You're going to need dedicated people. Technology integration of some sort, that's probably going to be Eventually. normal. 
yeah, you're going to be the, the norm in this kind of business. And then really understanding the customer requirements. And I think maybe, not necessarily, but maybe a focus on one industry, one vertical that you can really own and have that knowledge so you don't have it, that's That just makes it easier to sell because now you understand it pretty well. And then last but not least, I think there's the mindset that we just talked about. You have to develop the mindset that I'm going after those big accounts and I'm going to, I might not say no to the transactional stuff that shows up, but I'm not really going to look for it. I'm going to look for the bigger fish. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I think I preached it. I was like, if I don't get me wrong, I've, I've done well in a couple RFPs, like larger ones, but again, it's contracted, but yeah, like it's, it really have the mindset first. You need to have the mindset of, Hey, listen, telling someone that I'm a nice person and that I'm going to get their shipment from point A to point B isn't a value add. That's just a given. <laughs> right. I've said it before on the podcast, but a lot of times you hear people say, you know, we provide really great customer service and I've got low pricing. And I was thinking, yeah, that's kind of everybody feels that way. <laughs> who, who, who literally says, hey, we provide shitty service and our rate our rates are not good and our we don't answer the phone that much but other than that or we're I, awesome I don't know why I just thought about it but I was like hey if you can get over how shitty our service is okay, <laughs> right so Mike give us some final comments on this topic I mean for anybody for the two people that are listening no but for anybody that really is out there that is just sick of having to go to bed at night and worrying about if they're going to have that account tomorrow and wants to you know change the way they sell and look at this industry, just change your mindset, figure out really what your company, because every company is different, what your company, what your 3PL, what your brokerage is good at and how you can transition those transactional deals into I'm all in or nothing, but it doesn't have to be that, but just more consistent and not having to be quoted out business. Right. Sounds good. Sounds good. So Mike, tell us a little bit what's going on with you and Global Trans. So, dude, yeah, like I said, I'm focusing more on the emerging roast stage CPG food and beverage companies. I see a big gap in these companies that they're using multiple different vendors. They don't have the overhead, the cost budget. They don't have the expertise. And a lot of these companies are eventually, if not already, starting to look for capital investment. And we both know that gross margins are huge. So I'm focusing on, hey, outsource that to me. We'll take care of everything. I want to be your one-stop shop. Maybe some of them need integration. Some of them need technology now. But even if they don't, I'm going to be there every step of the way to help them increase gross margins, increase market reach, and really have them so buttoned up versus I walk into companies that maybe are $100 million in revenue. And now they're starting to be like, okay, it's time we outsource. And I have companies like that. But it's a lot of the process on that end is a lot more. That's a lot longer because, again, you're already scaled to that point where it's right. like trying to buck it up. So I want to get in the front end of that and really help these growth stage emerging companies just literally not even have to worry about anything supply chain operation, warehouse technology piece and know that I'm there for them. So Global Trends is one of those top companies that can kind of do it all. I know that, right? So being at that company with that kind of capabilities makes it a little easier on you as the sales guy because there's nothing you guys can't do. Well, exactly. And I think I, was, I spoke on FreightWaves about it, about like a lot of people that go in by themselves as an agent or whatever, no one's really selling all in deals. Maybe they'll pop a couple here and there, but dude, now I can really, because being even at working directly for a corporation, right? You know, I could only go so low. There was buckets, right? I couldn't be as flexible as I wanted to be. 
Now I don't have a salary. I get to do what I want to do. I still get to utilize their team, their technology, their resources. But dude, if I want to run 5% margin for that company and treat that, give them the boutique service they want, I get to do that. And trust me, like I said, I'm selling maybe two to four deals a year. And I am super involved in those deals. Like, to the point where they're like, Mike, stop sending us stuff that you think we should do. We're good right now, but we appreciate it. So it's like, it's just really good to be able to focus, laser focus on exactly how I think these companies should be treated. Right. I'm like that very much. I don't like the idea of what I feel sometimes happens in business is you're held at arm's length and you're not all the way in. You're not a close confidant. You don't have the relationship. And I always feel that I've said this on other podcasts you lose that kind of business. You get tired of it or they find someone else and they go, yeah, you know, you never did this for me. And you're like, I tried. You just didn't let me in. Like you didn't let me add the value I needed to. And when you've got a strategic account, you can just keep growing in value. The continuous improvement on cost and quality and speed is is just totally worth it in my mind. I, I cannot recommend that anybody do transactional work. I believe if you're a shipper, you should be using someone who's strategic. Exactly. And then it, it, it's, you know, there's going to be people out there that say this or the, that shipper that says, well, we're so big, we don't need it. Dude, if you know accounts that do over $100 million in transportation that outsource it to one three pl So if they can do it, the person that's doing $500,000 shouldn't be using 22 different LTL carriers. Right. <laughs> that's why they do it. Well, Mike, this has been great. I do appreciate you taking the time. And again, any of you who are on LinkedIn, and that should be everybody, other than my mom, you should all go to connect with Mike. He's got some excellent insights on just this topic and many others. He's a great follow on LinkedIn. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. And thank you to the audience. And uh, until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logisticsoflogistics.com. 